Chapter 18. That morning, Casey scanned the dining room and spotted Finbar, but not Feral. Her heart twinged again. She joined Finbar as he grunted. He didn't like to be talked to before he'd had two, sometimes three, cups of tea. She waited patiently for him to fill the cup in his, his hand while eating an eggplant pocket. Hey, where's your other half? she asked. He's mad about something, Finbar replied. I don't know, he wouldn't talk to me. He's already with the hounds. It's my fault, Casey admitted. I told him he was a coward for not telling Iona how he felt. Finbar leaned back in his seat and whistled. You didn't. I mean, I didn't mean to say coward. It sort of came out, Casey replied. She swallowed hard. Look, Jerry is missing and I'm under a lot of stress. She looked around. Apologize to Farrell for me, will you? The librarian is missing, Farinbar repeated back as if he hadn't heard the rest of her question. The twins must have really hidden in their room and gone to sleep early to avoid that news. Yeah, someone took him. The words were hard to squeeze past her lips, as if speaking them to someone other than Gilmore would make them more real. I mean, it definitely felt scarier. Finbar's eyebrows rose and climbed, reached his green hairline. He was taken? Casey nodded glumly, the old urgency and anger thrumming through her. It's been awful. When? Finbar asked. Casey leaned forward. Four nights ago. Four nights ago? Finbar looked extremely pale. The hounds have been extra restless lately. Well, I've been working overtime in the library to keep it open. She looked up at the replica sundial and saw that it was passed on. I have to go relieve Gil Lord Gilmore. He's guarding the library at night. I have so many questions. Finbar breathed, his eyes distance. She jumped up. I don't have time right now. She grabbed three extra breakfast pockets and hurried out the door. More eyes followed her than normal. The halls bustled with lower fay, but no high fay were on guard, though she passed two sets of sprite guards. Whispers and ghostly laughter followed her, trailing her like mischievous children were just out of sight. She ignored them, her shoulder blades prickling as she pictured the library door handles. A breeze from nowhere twined around her, carrying the scent of cardamom and anise. Grave spices. Her thoughts flashed to that missing fae taken down into the catacombs. How many undead had feasted on their magic? How long had they screamed while no one came to their rescue? Oh, goddesses, she cursed. She jogged to the library doors, keeping her fire as ready as she could without bursting into flames. But inside the fire, inside the library was warm and Gilmore sat on the front desk, his long legs still touching the ground. She took a deep breath, letting go of the fear. Good morning. Gilmore yawned. Is this where you are all night? She walked around him to retrieve her apron. Is this where you want to picture me at night? TT's topping off. She handed over two of her three breakfast pockets. I thought you might be hungry. Oh, thanks, he yawned. I am not meant to be nocturnal. He popped one in his mouth. How was the library last night? Not a peep, he replied. Whoever had tried before didn't try last night. I think we scared them off. They now know we're waiting for them. Well, so where's Jerry? She asked tiredly, rubbed her eyes. Why steal books? Why go to all this effort and then have nothing change? Mother's interrogating two more master mages today, 
he said with a shrug. Nothing has happened otherwise, she stated. So either the master mages who did the master mage who did it isn't concerned about even the queen interrogating them, or or it isn't one of them. Gilmore finished glumly. He yawned again. Did you feel the tremor yesterday? She stilled. That that was real, I thought. Very real. Gilmore stared at the fireplace. Mother is having to control Underhill more than normal. And she's upset. Casey's stomach twisted. Of course the queen was upset. And if she was controlling Underhill more than normal. I have another council meeting at lunch. Can you wake me again? She grinned wickedly, shaking it off. There was nothing she could do except her duty. Faye missing, catacomb disturbances, Jerry missing, Gilmore was here. He frowned. But, but how about without that banging noise? He added. I make no promises. His answering grin was wide. Good night. He glided down the aisles, unnaturally elegant and handsome despite his exhaustion. There were so many times when she wanted to watch him but couldn't. He reached the end of the aisle and looked over his shoulder, catching his eyes, her eyes. Despite the distance, she saw his cocky grin. She blushed and readied herself with the day's preparations. Urgency kept her moving all day, yet she felt as useless as a fairy hound chasing its own tail. I mean, there wasn't anything she could do to help the mages search for Jerry. Nothing but keep the, the library operating smoothly, but that felt so small. Haifei came in and out in pairs, as if they were nervous about being the next victims. Plus, the summoning was still gearing up, only two days until the revel now. Twice a request came for books via messenger for Lady Gita, which made Casey's heart jump. She got so busy she almost forgot to wake Gilmore for the council meeting. She didn't use the loud pop this time. It wasn't as much fun if they were expecting it. He was groggy as he left. No hyphae came in or out for the next hour, and Casey nibbled on some strange lemon and cinnamon scones that the library brought her. The taste was odd, but she was hungry. Where could Jerry be? What force could keep the librarian from the library? She jumped whenever a book rustled especially loudly. She puzzled through the problems everything represented. A fae had broken into the library, stolen four books, and then had fought and taken the librarian. And through this, the library hadn't sealed itself up or fought in any of the ways that it should have, and yet the protections were still in place. She chewed on the end of the quill, staring into the distance fire. Was there a loophole or a gap that no one in Underhill's thousand-year history had found until now? The door opened and she straightened. It was Gilmore, his dark hair slicked back and still wet from a bath. He had a bowl in his hand, and the smell of rabbit stew filled the library. Her stomach immediately growled, and he grinned. Hungry? Is that for me? I didn't forget you. He set the bowl on the library desk and looked around. How was it? No one came in or out while you were at council. Good. He stood and stretched. It took forever, too. Who did the queen question today? Lord Edgar, Lady Trina, Gilmore said, making a face. We need to search the private rooms, but the council is being so obstinate. They insist we can't risk angering the High Fae before the consort games begin. The spoon fell from Casey's fingers. They haven't searched the private rooms yet? When Gilmore said that they searched the whole palace twice, 
they actually hadn't. She took several deep breaths and felt like crying. Look, we, we couldn't get permission. But Jerry, Jerry is missing. Her voice rose and she caught it before she yelled at him, but she couldn't help glaring. And a lower fate went missing. I mean, that can't be a coincidence. I know, he stated. His dark eyes swirled with power like a cat's lazy stretch. I've been arguing with Gita about it for days. She took a deep breath. He was on her side. So they're searching now? No. His voice was flat. One of their own is missing, and they still couldn't agree. Plus, we're hammering out the requirements for the consort games, and without Jerry, we're lacking our normal majority. She was still angry, but she caught that. Normal majority? Who else was missing? No, no one else. There's just a group of us who typically vote together, he explained. Eat. The stew's getting cold. She picked up the spoon and ate while he explained that of the 11 council members, there were members who were more traditional and others who were willing to try new things. Jerry typically liked to try new things. I mean, Casey herself exemplified that. But without him, they were off balance, and the more traditional council members were trying to take advantage of that by pushing through several measures that weren't shouldn't have been up for voting for another month or two. One was a restriction of what were high, lower fay jobs, and another was to allow members of Underhill's high fay court to also compete for Lady Gita's hand. Traditionally, all courts were allowed to put forward two champions. The council's argument was that Underhill's court was so strong and powerful they didn't need another court's alliance. It was a pattern of insularity that had been worrying Jerry. He'd been doing his best to combat it, arguing for greater connections with other courts. We have to find him, Casey whispered. She set the empty bowl down. What will it take for them to agree to search the private areas? I don't know, he growled. I just don't know. She had a brief thought of using her power to seal the library against them, holding the books and parchments hostage against a real search of the entire palace. If the magic said he was still in the palace, then search the whole damn thing. But doing that would guarantee they would never trust another lower fay in the library. She shook the thought away. Jerry missing was just part of the problem. There was something else going on. I mean, why those four books? To what end? Why steal them? You should get a nap before I leave. I mean, it was nice to talk to him, but it was also frustrating because she wanted to reach across that desk and touch him, and she couldn't. Not for her own sanity. Had she just thought about how she wanted to touch him? Oh, goddesses, this was getting bad. You're always kicking me out, he replied. Well, the library comes first. He stretched. Uh, can I nap up here? He nodded at the fireplace chairs. Won't it bother you when others come in and out? She asked. Don't look like that, he said, grinning. Everyone knows I'm helping watch the library. I might as well be visible, even when I'm sleeping. Sure, fine. It didn't matter to her one way or the other. I mean, it was his nap, after all. He stretched over one of the chairs, his long arm, legs dangling over one chair arm, with his head pillowed against the side. Casey promised herself that she wouldn't keep track of him as she worked. Her anger at his revelations rose and fell as she breathed. Anger at the council for clearly not caring as much about Jerry as they did their own privacy. 
sadness for what that meant for the other hyphae and frustration because that meant a whole section of Underhill had never been searched. Logically, she knew that hiding a powerful fae like Jerry would be near impossible in the normal hyphae lodging area, but nothing about this had been normal. It wasn't normal for the library to have a single book stolen, let alone four. It wasn't normal for the librarian to be taken. She ground her teeth as her fire sparked and fizzled from her inattention. Haifei came and went now, including Lady Gita, who stepped over to the fireplace to have a word with her brother. She glided back out with a nod to Casey. All of these interactions left Casey exhausted long before dinner time. She wearily closed up and said goodnight to Gilmore. She wasn't in the mood to exchange banter with him or stare into his powerful eyes. All she wanted was to lay on her bed and feel her heart thudding in her chest, her stomach twisting. The tunnels twisted her to and from various locations that evening, forcing her to double back three times. Twice, she thought she saw shadows clumping and sped up her heart in her throat. She pulled on her fire, warming her and keeping it prickling along her awareness as comfort. Lanterns swayed overhead suddenly and thus floated down, the floor under her feet shaking. Was this another tremor? She was tempted to turn sparrow, but if the shaking worsened, a small rock would hurt her as a sparrow, where it would only annoy her as a pixie. Finally, she reached the dining room, but even the warmth and noise of the servant's room didn't help her mood. Farrell was back at their normal table, but he wouldn't make eye contact with either Casey or Iona which confused Iona, but it didn't do anything to Casey. She just felt numb. How long could a fae be taken before they were never coming back? Was Jerry as good as dead? Hey, did you feel the shakes? Finmar asked. An earthquake, Iona hissed. We've never had one before. Casey couldn't answer, her fear for their court growing. She shivered harder and couldn't follow the strain of the conversation from there, picking it up only to lose it again. There's something about some of Lady Gita's lovers petitioning for the right to particip participate in the consort games, something about Lady Rhiannon's fight with Sir Sawyer, and something about the litter of fairy hounds and their antics. She smiled and nodded through it, eating mechanically. Someone bumped her back and Casey turned. It was Cynthia scooting past. Casey wearily said, excuse you too. Then she turned back to her friends. What? Cynthia snapped. Her nails dug into Casey's shoulder as she wrenched Casey back around. Ow, Casey said, what are you doing? You think you're so much better than us, Cynthia hissed, drawing eyes from around the dining room with your new inches flaunting it over us. More Cynthia drama. Casey turned around without answering. She didn't have the energy for her nonsense. Farrell nudged Fenbar, and that's all the warning Casey got before Kate, Cynthia had gripped her by the ponytail and yanked. What in May's realm do you think you're doing? Casey asked, standing up. Stop! Cynthia's hair was rapidly changing color, as if her power couldn't be controlled. Meanwhile, Casey's fire had stirred itself, but then decided that this didn't compare to high fey antics or creepy shadow guardians. You're not better than us. Cynthia snapped. Casey turned to her friends, keeping a wary eye on her youngest sister. Good night, guys. She walked away, trailing Cynthia, who shrieked nonsense after Casey through the entire room. Casey murmured a calm good night 
to any lower fae who made eye contact while ignoring her sister. They made it into the hallway before Cynthia tried to launch herself at Casey again. Casey grabbed Cynthia's wrists and held her, letting her scream. She was too tired to pay attention to any of the words that were spit in her face. I mean, this wasn't even about her. None of Cynthia's temper tantrums were ever about the issue at hand. Casey dragged her to their apartment and then bodily picked Cynthia up and threw her on the sofa. Now, she stated firmly, you're going to stop trying to hit me and screaming at me. Cynthia was so startled, she shut her mouth. Good. Casey leaned against the fire's hearth, compensating for the heat automatically. Why did you think it was appropriate to try to fight with another fae in the dining room? You're not my mother. Cynthia folded her arms and sulked. Yeah, you're lucky I'm not, Casey hissed, losing her cool, because I would never allow a selfish, short-sighted brat like you out of the nursery. You ruin everyone's chance at celebrating because you can't handle not being the center of attention. I am not selfish, Cynthia shrieked. You're arrogant, and you think you're better than everyone else. My boss is missing, and the high fade do nothing about it, Casey yelled. She was past angry now. I'm keeping the entire library open on my own, dealing with high fade constantly, and all the while I'm worried that the one fae who gave me a chance is dead. Her chest heaved and tears spilled down her face. Her fire tried to pop out her knuckles and fingertips as if that would be useful. I, and all you can think about is yourself, and then you do something stupid, like pick a fight with me to self-sabotage because you know you're not as special as you want to be. Casey continued, her anger giving her fuel and words. Leave me and my grief out of your idiotic attempts at attention. She straightened and pointed a finger at Cynthia. Or so help me goddesses, I will cut your precious hair off in your sleep and feed it to the fairy hounds. Cynthia's mouth snapped shut. I, I didn't know. Oh, shut up, Casey said, wearily walking to their bedroom. You didn't know because you don't care about anyone else. She stopped at the doorway. Don't follow me and don't talk to me for at least a week. Cynthia looked hurt, as if she'd been the one whose ponytail had been yanked and yelled at in front of the entire dining room. Casey shut the door and climbed into her bed, too weary to change. Her heart hurt so much and there was nothing she could do about it. More tears came and she slept restlessly. Dreams were chaotic. They kept waking her up with wordless terror. She struggled through them until she finally got up and dressed silently. This wasn't working. She wasn't going to sleep. Not when thoughts of the library and Jerry twisted in and out of her head like angry eels. She turned Sparrow as soon as her family's door was safely shut and relocked it against all the things that crawled through the halls at night. Her wings cut through the air, slicing ribbons as she avoided spider webs and clumped uh, shadows. Her advantage in this form was speed not substance. Shadows could pick apart her bone, bird, her bird bones as easily as her fey bones. Pair after pair of high fey guards wandered their halls, their weapons drawn. Her sparrow brain didn't care much about that, but she tucked that information away. She landed in front of the library doors and cast a look over her shoulder. Shadows gathered near, near where the hallways met, directly under a lit torch. They writhed and glowing eyes flickered out of its center mass. She shuddered. She'd never seen shadows with eyes before. What was with shadows lately? 
shadow guardians, twisted guardians, alien forms. She would gladly go weeks without even seeing her, show her own shadow at this point. Shuddering, she pushed the door open so fast that she gave herself whiplash. She jumped inside and leaned hard against the doors, not relaxing until it locked. The library was dark, and she looked around, singing softly under her breath to help it wake up. It normally reacted quickly, but it felt sluggish. I mean, yes, it was the middle of the night, but Gilmore was here somewhere. Gilmore, she called, and then cursing under her breath, she corrected herself. Lord Gilmore! Why was it so hard to remember his star's blasted title? No response. The library lit a degree more, but it wasn't enough to see the entire front foyer. The desk, though, looked... must. She hurried over. The ledger had been moved, pages returned. She saw movement and turned, but it was only her reflection in the mirror over the fireplace. Lord Gilmore, she yelled, are you, are you here? Unease snapped her shoulder blades and she narrowed her eyes. Was it her imagination or were the shadows thicker than a few moments ago? She grabbed her bone dagger from its slot and pulled her apron on with one hand. The bone hilt warmed under her hand and she lit her fingertips on fire. The shadows retreated her. Was she imagining that too? Where's Gilmore? She whispered. Is he okay? Silence reigned. She shivered and pulled harder on her fire, letting the flames dance over the back of her knuckles. The library rustled louder on the left side than on the right. She grabbed clove oil and rubbed her face and hands with it, letting the smell of sizzling clove fill the sky. She wished she had an extra jar of salt on hand. Her breath came faster and she took a deep steadying one. She couldn't panic. I mean, Gary's office had extras. Swallowing hard and gripping her fire tightly, she started down the middle left aisle. The books rustled, yet felt subdued, sleepy almost. She trailed her left hand, her right hand down the books, holding the left with her dagger at an angle. She'd never felt the library this quiet before. Well, I mean, not since her first weeks when it was getting used to her. Where is he? She whispered. Has something happened? No answer. Gilmore, she called. Her words were swallowed by the shelves. At the back, she turned left and passed Jerry's empty office. She grabbed a box of salt, careful for it not to touch her bare skin. It wouldn't hurt as badly as iron, but it would still sting. The archives, archives gate came into view, as did a prone body.